Welcome to Engaging Parenting, the Bridgeway podcast on parenting kids and teens. And we're here to talk specifically about the glorious and terrifying work of parenting teenagers in our culture and why being spiritually and culturally informed is essential. And we also are here to discuss practical tips on how you can parent confidently and watch your teenagers thrive. My name is Pastor Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Cliff. And we're in part two of talking about busyness and the teenager. Yeah. Cliff? If you were listening to our last episode, we kind of talked about all these different things regarding busyness and why busyness is such a big issue and things that we need to be aware about business. And so this episode, we're going to get real practical with you. We're going to talk about things that the teen, your teenager can be doing and things that you can be doing to help with this whole craziness of being busy. Yeah. And and again, we we shared some stories in the beginning of the last episode just to kind of flesh this out because because sometimes parents don't see their teens as being as busy, and yet pastors, yeah. youth pastors, directors, we end up seeing kids not coming to church, not coming to youth group, and often the number one reason has to do with their busyness. Yeah, um, I I always kind of made a joke. I remember you probably remember me saying this that often by the time a student hits the end of their junior year, the beginning of their senior year. They start fizzling out. The classes that in their freshman years are really big. By their senior year, they start fizzling out. And it's not because of like falling into sin. It's often because they either get a job or they get into a relationship. And I was, I was, <laughs> which li- is another episode, right? The relationship yeah, one. But. I was literally about to share that. So it's funny. We have the same mind. Mm. Um, but I was, I was just about to say that um, the senior class that is uh, seniors this year, when they were freshmen, I turned to, I think it was you. I turned to somebody else and I said, this class was going to set the tone for the youth group um, in a lot of different ways because I saw a bunch of leaders. I saw, I saw a lot of kids who were on fire for the Lord. And through their junior year, they brought everybody. Everybody was at church because it was a priority. But something has happened this year. Um, they've only been a month, a little over a month into school, and they have stopped coming. And I'm slowly trying to figure that out. And it's because of jobs. Um, it's because of relationships. It's because of sports and it's because of college stuff. Yeah, um, They want to put more stuff on their resume, if you will, uh-huh. for college. So they look better on, on their resumes. And it's it's a bummer because this this group of kids are, um, you know, I, I don't say I have favorites, but they're one of my favorites. Yeah. They're your first um, class that you've went all the way through. Uh, second class. But yes, yes. They're, they're really great kids. And it's, it's hard seeing them being so busy. But it's just an interesting point. Um, no, it's, uh, it is one of these like things like the job piece. I remember something, it was something that bothered me because often I would tell students and I would tell parents, I'd be like, why would you agree to a job if you know that they'll schedule you on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning? Yeah. And you know, and I would hear students say, and sometimes their parents would say it to me, they would be like, well, we, we want them to know that they're like committed to the job. And then, and I always go, but it's not a bad thing to say. I have a church commitment and I would like to not work on that day. And if it doesn't work and you have to leave that job, A, I think God's going to provide you a better job somewhere Mm -hmm. else. And B, it's not that if you challenge an employer and say, I don't want to work because I have a, you know, religious or a Christian commitment, that it's not that that's going to affect your future of jobs. And often I would, I would, I would sometimes be a lot more blunt with it where I'd be like, employers aren't looking at your in and out burger and Chick-fil-A job to go, man, this person, you know, they, they were known for not showing up because to their job, because they had to go to church. The employers don't get to report that. All they get to say is they worked here. Yeah. And so I, I try to tell students that I go, don't let the job control your life. Mm-hmm. 
and I, my roommates and I were talking this last week and talking about Chick-fil-A actually. And Chick-fil-A does not work on Sundays. They don't, they're not open on Sundays, which, you know, how many times I've been to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday? It's unreal. <laughs> but we were talking about how Chick-fil-A is still one of the most popular fast food places in all of the U.S. And they work one less day than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I just say that to say this, is that even with one full day of not working, they still are the most profitable. So you can argue, oh, I need to work on on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings because I, if I don't work then, I won't be profitable. Well, here's an example of a whole organization that gives everybody the day off and they're more profitable than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's just, you know, we can keep giving examples, uh-huh. but we just want you parents to hear between these two episodes that we have watched a lot of students start being choked out of their faith yeah, because of the other commitments that have become a higher priority and value. And then you watch how it affects them spiritually and they're thriving. Now, there are other students that we've seen that they will do the jobs and they'll be in a sport and they're thriving. Yeah, and we we've seen both, so Few we don't want, we don't want them. you to think that we're saying you have to eliminate all things. Yeah, but like yeah, like you just said, Cliff, few and far between are people that are are um, thriving while having all these other things yeah. going on, and so that's why we have to figure it out. So let's talk about yeah, let's talk about some it. of these practicalities. Um, you know, um, I think one of the first things, um, if I, if you don't mind me starting, Pastor, go Cliff, for it. Is um. One of the things as a parent that you have to start with is that we you have to reassess your expectations of your teens. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, there's a Focus on the Family um, website that they talk about this and they say that your checkbook or your online banking and your calendar are clear indicators of your parenting priorities and the expectations you have of your teens. Yeah. And Good. so they're, they're kind of saying like, if they were to look at where your money's going, what you're paying out, you know, for your kids... Um, for your teenagers, and they're looking at what is written up all over your cl- calendar, they'll see what the priorities are. Now, sometimes parents will say, well, no, 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 they want to do that, and I'm just letting them. But that's where you have, again, a place in their life to go, hey, you have too many things. You can't do all of those. So which ones are you actually passionate about or part of your purpose or part of your vision of, yeah. of who's God's creating you to be? Um, and then so you know, what some people say is they'll say, do an informal audit. <laughs> of your expectations yeah. of your teens. Yeah. Um, honestly, assess what you are communicating to them and what you are helping them see is the most important thing in life. And here's a really hard one. Ask your teenager what they believe are the expectations you have for them. Yeah. That, that now, that's a hard be. conversation. You might not yeah. like what you hear, or you might find that your son or daughter breaks down and they're so happy that you asked. Yeah. Because they've wanted to express how they feel overloaded. Yeah. Communication is so huge when it comes to busyness because I think there's a perception that teens look at you as as the adult and as the parent as the example. And so if you're super busy, then they feel this expectation that they have to be busy. So if you take a pause from your busyness and have a conversation with them saying and asking the question, hey, what do you feel like I'm expecting of you? And they just tell you honestly what they feel and their feelings could absolutely be wrong. And it could potentially break your heart that that's their feelings. But here's the good news. Feelings can be wrong. In fact, most of the time feelings are wrong. So you can help and coach your, your teens through that idea of, hey, that's not actually what I believe. I'm sorry that you felt that way. But how can I um, emulate that? All I want for you is just to love the Lord and love life. <laughs> you know, if that's your expectation. I like that you use the word emulate. Yeah, I, um, it's a good word. I admire that word. You're welcome. You are so welcome. Do you want to give another tip? Yeah, I mean, 
the famous word, no. That is such a good word for every teenager to 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 know. And and you can even say it in Spanish. Exactly. No. no. Exactly. And I mean, as parents, we we need to learn how to coach teenagers through saying no to the things that keep them from going deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, when do you say no? How do you say no? When do you know what do you say no to? At what point do all these things just come up and make us all frazzled? When in reality, if we just say no, that weight just comes off. Yeah. And, and I like, uh, again, that book we mentioned in the last episode um, by Kevin DeYoung, a, a Crazy Busy. Um, he actually has a whole section where he says, okay, even when you look at Jesus, he, first he says, Jesus stayed on mission. Jesus knew his priorities and he stuck with, with them. And that's astounding because he understood his mission and he wasn't driven by all the needs of others. And that even though he stopped to help hurting people, he wasn't driven by the approval of others. The, the approval of others, and he cared deeply for everyone, but he was driven by the spirit. And so he was busy, but never in a way that made him frantic, anxious, irritable, proud, envious, or distracted. And even though a lot of people had things that they wanted him to do, he would still go off to a desolate place or go up on a mountain and pray. And and it was like Jesus like kind of knew how to indirectly mm. say no. Yeah. Even though, because I mean, granted, there was always people that had a need. And Jesus met a lot of needs and he did a lot of miracles and he did a lot of healing. And he, But there was also people he didn't get a chance to. And it's because he knew that there was still a purpose, an overall purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's two, talking about this context, there's two things that Jesus did well. He walked with intention and he walked with discernment. Amen. And so what that means is he always had a goal and nothing was going to stop him from that goal. But he also understood that there was wisdom in stopping to talk to somebody, stopping to heal, or there was wisdom to go a roundabout way to the Jerusalem, or there was wisdom in going through Samaria rather than you know going around Samaria. Yeah. And so that's, I think, is a model that we could have as, as adults and as helping our teenagers see that we need to be walking with intention and discernment. Okay, Lord, where's something that I need to be saying yes to? Because we can't just say no to everything. Because when we say no to everything, then we might miss what God has for us. Mm-hmm. Where can we say yes? Where can we say no? And uh, how can I be walking with intention in my life at school, at sports teams? Because I tell kids all the time, they're like, man, I, I just feel I'm not doing enough for the kingdom, right? I mean, not a lot of kids tell me that, but some do. <laughs> uh, and I say, well, w- what are you doing? And they're telling me all of these things. And I said, well, how can you use your sports team or your band team and share the love of Christ with them? You know, we have that that conversation. It comes down to them modeling what what Jesus did when he was on this earth. But like, I think there's always an opportunity for us to walk with intention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that coaching piece that you shared and the discernment coming with it, like you said, we you can't say no to everything and you have to be able to discern when to say no to the right things yeah. and and not the wrong things. Uh-huh. Um, because cause I think one of the patterns that we tend to see, and parents, you know it, and I've been in the midst of it even with having a middle school student now, is when it comes to being overwhelmed and exhausted and not feeling like doing something, students will say, oh, I don't know if I want to go to youth group tonight. Yeah, I don't know. What, and they choose to say no to something because of how they feel uh-huh. And not always because of the value that it yeah. brings. And and sometimes I know some parents will say, well, it's, you know, they're not getting a lot out of it. And I go, sometimes I go, okay, you have to be very careful with what you hear your son or daughter say, because sometimes they're going to talk about preference, but sometimes it's not preference that they need to have met. Sometimes yeah. it's, they still need to get around community and be in a place that's a lot more focalized for the spirit to be able to speak in. And so, so to help your, your son or daughter though, know, 
in, in discernment the right things to say no to. Because sometimes we encourage our kids to say no, and then they start saying no to the things that are actually healthy. <laughs> like, yeah. And we do that as adults too, that we start pulling back from the things that are actually life-giving because we're so overloaded. How many parents I, you know, that are listening have taken less time in their friendships because they're set, like, I have to say no to something, and so I'm not going to do, go do this with this friend because I have this, 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 and this to do. All of them are raising their hands right now yeah. as they're driving. Hold on to your steering wheel, though. Um, <laughs> you don't have, we don't yet have those cars that you can drive fully without. So um, here's another tip for you. Um, this comes from the Fuller Youth Institute. I really value it. And they say you have to help your students know how to add one and drop one. Because when when kids are younger, um, like like elementary school, the common rule of thumb is to say you're only doing one extracurricular activity at a time. But then once they get into middle school and high school, it's like we throw all those out the window and we go, well, you're older now. You can handle more. And and so sometimes you have to go back to this, hey, if you want to add something new, you have to drop something old. Yeah. And you have to help them be able to recognize that. Um, and it's and it's just helping them see they can't do everything and they can't be everything and they can't go everywhere. So what is the thing you really want to do? And and again, sometimes you're going to go, my son or daughter doesn't know. But well, that doesn't mean you have to have them try eight things in order to know. Yeah. Sometimes we we put that expectation on ourselves as parents. Mm-hmm. And this last week, I was having a conversation with a young adult, you know, not even a teenager, and they were telling me all the things that they're going through. And but then they said, "But I I really would like my life to look like this." And I looked at them in the eye and said, "Well, if you want to want to have your life look like that, then you need to make some sacrifices. You need to say some. You need to say no to some things." So that you can thrive in the area that you're searching for. Mm. Because I think a lot of us who are yearning for community, actually most of us, actually 100% of us, we're yearning for community, but we don't want the work to get there. Um, I I had a teenager this summer who he's coming to youth group a lot more than he usually does. And one of my volunteers told me, they're like, oh yeah, he's coming a lot more now because he's craving community, Mm. right? And as, as an adult and definitely as a teenager, we're craving that sense of community and community for community's sake, isn't the best way of searching for community, but healthy, um, godly community is, is a community that's actually going to allow your teenager and even yourself to thrive. But if you really want that, if you value that, if that's part of your sheet, that's on your front door that we talked about last episode, then you need to say no to some things so that you can free up time. Yeah. You know, we have commissional communities here at Bridgeway. And it's something that we highly value. Um, it's adults sitting around a table, eating food and talking about Jesus. It's the best. If you haven't joined one yet, do it right now. But um, we have these community areas for, for adults to, to tap into because everyone is craving that. Yeah. Um, I, I think another tip as well, um, Cliff mentioned that they did it in the youth ministry, but it's something you can do as a parent, which is assist your son or daughter in evaluating their life and doing a too busy checkup. Have them list yeah. out all of their their schedule from the wake up till going to bed and then do that by the day, do it by week, and maybe even do it seasonally and kind of go, okay, within a year, what are all the things you feel like you have to do or you have to go to that we're either making you go to or that you are choosing to go to? And then help them divide that up and go, which ones are essential, which ones are important, and which ones am I just doing? Yeah, and, uh, and and again, you're trying to work with them to figure out what is their job and their responsibility and what isn't. Now, some of us parents, you're probably going, I don't feel like I can do this because I don't know how to do this with my own life. Um, do it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Start with yourself. See what you learn from it as you're listening to the Lord and then do it with your teen. 
because yeah. this is stuff that as you're learning it and they're learning it, now you're you're growing spiritually together with your son or daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty powerful because you're yeah. saying, I'm trying to figure this out and I want to help you try to figure this out. And uh, I think that's that's really rich. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I just picture a, an adult sitting down with their teenager and just being real. Mm. Um, and this is where the teenager says, you know, I feel this weight of all of this stuff. I feel weight of expectations. I feel of weight of all the things I need to do. I mean, sometimes as parents, you don't know all the weights that your teenager feels unless you ask, ask them, Yeah, you know, the papers they have to write, you know, the, the friendships that they have to navigate, man, friendships can be really, really taxing on mm-hmm. teens. And we've talked about that in a couple episodes before this one. So take a look at that. But there's so many things that are vying for their attention. So when they actually verbalize them sometimes, and actually they probably haven't verbalized them before you ask them, they're able to kind of take a look at it and be like, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't be talking about this or doing this because it's making me more stressed, anxious, busy, and so forth. (laughs) Busy, busy. 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 And if you weren't aware, um, at Bridgeway, we do classes occasionally that's called the Crazy Busy Workshop. It's it's called Exhausted, a workshop for the crazy busy. And it's and it's all about navigating these type of things as adults because everybody needs to work on this. Yeah. But you're in a formative stage with your teenagers where you can help them figure it out early so they don't fall into that routine or that bad habit yeah. of allowing their life to constantly be in a state of overload yeah. and partial attention because of it. Uh-huh. So... One, one last tip that we also encourage is to to help your sons or daughters plan scheduled time. And what we mean by that is have them plan scheduled time that is just for the God stuff. And what we mean by that is that when you schedule things, it tends to not be trumped by uh-huh. other things that come up. Where if it, whereas if you make it just an intent, well, I really want to do that. Well, when, when another thing comes up, you'll move it out. And I remember I read a, a book, I think it was by Eugene Peterson as well, where he talked about some of this. He talked about how he had to actually plan his time with the Lord into his schedule because it was too easy to go, I'm going to do this today. But then somebody texts you or calls you and yeah. needs help or you, oh, I have to get this done by this get deadline. And he goes, I had to actually make a scheduled time that's planned for the God stuff because you can't let the God stuff fill in the cracks of the day because there's very few cracks left. And so, again, sit down with your with your kids and go, what's a day or a time within your week that we can give you two hours that you're not you're not defaulting to devices yeah. and brainless stuff, and you're not trying to meet the expectations of all these stuff, but that you have time scheduled to focus on the Lord? Yeah, and a question that we have for you as a parent listening to this is, where is God in your schedule? Where mm. is God in your teen schedule? Is it something you guys even talk about? Is it something that you care about? That's that's a good place to start. Um, I'm reading this book right now uh, by Ruth Haley Barton called Invitation to Silence and Solitude. Mm. Um, and it has been wrecking me because she talks about this idea that we need to have 10 minutes of silence a day. 10 minutes of silence. In fact, she encourages us to have even more. And so I've been practicing this the past couple of weeks. And it's been really hard to shut off music, to shut off everything, and to just be silent um, and listen to the Lord. And what happens with that is it changes our minds and allows us to kind of think on other things, right? For most of that 10 minutes, I would say six to seven minutes of that 10 minutes, my mind is shutting down um, because it's racing (laughs) the first few minutes because I'm like thinking of all the things I need to do personally um, at the church and all that stuff. But 
eventually you get to a point where you you practice it enough and you're like, man, I really, I really love this this practice of silence. Yeah. Um, and and I would encourage you to pick up that book and even maybe start having some silence and solitude in your life and encourage your teen to do that same thing. Because even when we have so many things on our plate and on our schedules, when we, you know, schedule out like Pastor Matt, you just said some God time or maybe even some silence and solitude for 10 minutes. And it allows our minds to get in the right mindset and allows us to truly um, be a little bit more intentional and have a little bit more discernment because we're not, our minds aren't racing all the time. And we can talk about busyness all day long Uh um, with teenagers, but it starts with you as the parent. Yeah. The teenager is looking up to you whether you believe it or not, whether they listen to you or not, they are looking at you constantly seeing how does mom handle this stress? How does dad handle how he um, answers and says yes or no? And so if you want to see less busyness in your teenager's life, take a look at yourself for a second and see what things you can say no to. And maybe some things you can say yes to that God is asking you to. And that's uncomfortable. Well, uh, we could keep going on all this, um, but but just we want you to know, parents, that like we do care. Um, we yeah. care a lot, especially when we see your students. We care alongside of you when we see them not thriving, when we see them finding it hard to go deeper with God, and they know it's because they're busy. And so we really want to see you take steps, maybe in this semester and in this school year, yeah, to um, to be allowing your students to speak about this, to talk about it with you, to make decisions and have that discernment and wisdom. Um, I have something I'd like to read. I, I didn't kind of let Pastor Cliff know about this, but it's, it's a great little metaphor that somebody gave. It's a little bit of a story metaphor to kind of talk about um, the spiritual warfare side of busyness. And mm. so I'm so I'm just going to read parts parts of it. Um but you know, since you're driving or or just sitting down and listening, you can just kind of take it in and then we're going to wrap this episode up a little bit early. But uh it, it goes like this. It says Satan called a worldwide convention of demons. Oh fun. Um in his opening address, he said, "We can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from forming an intimate relationship with the Savior. Once they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken." So let them go to their churches, let them have their their dinners and their community, but steal their time so that they don't have time to develop a relationship with Jesus. And he says, this is what I want you to do. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining their vital connection throughout their day. And all the demons shouted, how shall we do this? And he says, keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend, spend, spend and borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade um, families to go work long hours and the husbands or wives to work six to seven days each week, 10 to 12 hours a day so that they can afford their empty lifestyles. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still small voice. Entice them to play on their iPods and their phones and their satellite radios whenever they drive. To keep the TV, the Netflix, the Hulu, the YouTube, the computers, and their smartphones always going constantly. Pound their minds with news 24 hours a day. Jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their emails and social media platforms with junk, with every kind of newsletter, special, and promotional offering. And then he goes on and on, and he says, keep them busy, busy, busy. And when they do meet for spiritual connection— Involve them in gossip and small talk so that they'll leave with troubled consciences and feel no deeper with God. Crowd their lives with so many good causes that they have no time to seek power from Jesus. Soon they'll be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family and life for the good of the cause. 
It will work. It will work. It's a plan, said all the demons. And they went to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get busier and more rushed, going here and there, having little time for their God or for others, and having no time to tell others about the power of Jesus to change their lives and feeling it themselves. And then it finishes and says, I guess the question is, has the devil been successful in his schemes? You know, I'm going to put on my pastor hat for a minute. Um, Part of that, first of all, thank you for sharing that. That was so good. I think it really sets in perspective kind of this idea of busyness. But one thing that they said there is um, distract them so they don't hear that still small voice. Mm -hmm. And if we look throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, we see so many stories of God speaking to his people in the still small voice. Yeah. Um, I think of Samuel when he was a young lad, right? God was whispering to him. But the only way for Samuel to hear him was to be still. Um, Moses, it was a, it was a burning bush, but he had to be alone and still to even listen to what God was saying. Yeah. Um, Elijah runs away. He's fleeing. He's so scared that he's about to die. And he goes to, goes to God and literally says, I want to die. And then so many things happened to Elijah in that moment, but God wasn't in any of them. And he was in the still small voice. Mm -hmm. And as you're listening to this episode and, and you're you're getting crazy busy with your life and you have so many things that you're having to deal with and, and your teenager has to deal with, God is asking us today to take a moment to be still in his presence, yeah, to be quiet and, and have silence in his presence because that's where um that's where intention comes from and that's where we get filled and that's where God tells us what to do. So my encouragement for you guys today is to maybe take 10 minutes of silence today. Maybe take some moments where you can listen with intention to your God and see what he's saying to you. Well, that's it for for this episode. We're so thankful that you took the time to listen today. If you have any questions for us, please email myself at cwoodward at bridgeway.church or pastor Matt at mbach at bridgeway.church. Talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Parenting Podcast, hosted by Pastor Matt Bach and Pastor Cliff Woodward, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. For more information about Bridgeway and other content, visit bridgeway.church.